This is Ian Hartley. I'm Warren Kay. And I am Sasha Steenbergen. Welcome to the Rediscovering God podcast. We invite you to join us as we endeavor to see him more clearly, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly. Welcome to the Rediscovering God podcast. Today we continue with the second part of the third sign where Jesus healed the man by the pool of Bethesda. And so we'll just pick up where we left off. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, The man who healed me told me, Pick up your mat and walk. So this uh, man is now in confrontation with the religious leaders of the day. And he knows their serious consequences uh, of being in confrontation with them. So he refers the responsibility of carrying the mat back to whoever had healed him. This man has no real concern or appreciation for the healer's well-being. He's quite happy to get Jesus into trouble. Carrying a mat on the Sabbath would have made the man very visible. I wonder why Jesus told him to pick up his mat and walk. I mean, he could have just said, you healed. Run home. Uh, But I think Jesus is making a point about what they had twisted the Sabbath into being, and he wanted to bring clarity to that. Hmm. Are you suggesting Jesus is confrontational? He's picking a fight, as you are inclined to say. Oh, now you've put the responsibility on me. Were you just like this man? (laughs) I'm just like this (laughs) man. Yeah. You know, there were 616 rules for observing the Sabbath, Mm. and it was really a a painful day. Um, You had to be so careful not to transgress. And here Jesus, just for the joy of helping this man, um, like it's the Sabbath, he knows that, but he just goes ahead and heals him, and he knows this is going to create a confrontation. But it's a needed confrontation. It's just so sad that they were so focused on keeping the Sabbath that they couldn't appreciate that this man who hadn't walked in 38 years is now walking. Like, celebrate with him. He's got his life back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're on verse 12. So when they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick pick it up and walk? So I, I'm quite sure they knew who it was. I mean, there's only one dude who's walking around doing this kind of interruption in their routines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they need a witness. Uh, and we're on verse 13. The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd 
that was there. So this man had faith in the moving of the water that he could get healed, but he had no idea who the ordinary, unobtrusive, everyday man who healed him was. Mm -hmm. He might have heard about Jesus, but he didn't know this was actually him. So this raises a really interesting point. Can we be healed without knowing anything about Jesus? See, the, the issue here is, if you're not healed, uh, what's the problem? And the faith healers will tell you it's because you didn't have enough faith. Mm -hmm. You're the problem. You're the problem. But here's the problem, is when Jesus resurrects the widow of Nain's son, he was dead. Right. So He, he had no knowledge, yeah. <laughs> and his mother is so grief-stricken, she's not even aware that Jesus is there. Mm -hmm. And then Lazarus was dead, and his sisters didn't believe that he was going to be resurrected. They're saying, don't open the grave, it stinks. Mm -hmm. Well, even in this situation of feeding the 5,000 people, sorry, that's the next one we do. When Jesus feeds the 5,000 people, nobody there expects Jesus to do that. Nobody asks him to do it. Mm -hmm. He just does it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite evident that uh, Jesus is not dependent upon our faith or our believing that he will do certain things. He can just do yeah. them. Yeah. So how many people have been healed by the apparently shy Savior? Only eternity will reveal these statistics. And so much for those who will have everything done in response to faith. Of course, having faith in God is important and brings salvation. Uh, however, this does not mean God cannot work for those who do not have faith. We all start without faith because faith is a gift uh, of God. As evidence, we read Romans 12 verse 3. Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Uh, and the disciples cry out to Jesus, increase our faith. And, and Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Yes. So think about it. Author. An author is somebody who creates something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's astonishing to me. Who was the lady who wrote the stories about Hogwarts and Harry Potter? Oh. Um, <laughs> you can do it. I don't remember her name. While you're thinking about it, this woman takes her pen or a typewriter or a tablet or a computer and creates these stories out of nothing. Mm-hmm. This is a huge creative act, influences millions of people. And in the same way, God can inspire faith in people. So there's, there's power in the word of God. When Jesus says to this man, pick up your mat and walk, he could have refused it. But that's the only way this miracle would have been prevented from happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, when Jesus says this, it's going to happen. He's the light, he's the life, he's the love of this world. Well, and I was just thinking, 
that um, parents, you know, as parents, we often want to do good things for our children, other things than they even ask us for, um, because we want good for them. And so I'm just thinking that it's such a beautiful illustration that he goes around and he actually sees us and he says, I want a better life for you. I want quality of life for you. You know, it's not enough that you're just breathing. I want you to have a good life. <laughs> yeah. So in our distrust of God, uh, because he respects our choice, we can prevent miracles that God wants to do for us. And the evidence for that is in Matthew 13, 58. Um, and so he did only a few mir miracles there because of their unbelief. That's really tragic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. What does unbelief mean? It means they were opposed to what Jesus was doing, which which just sounds so unbelievably stupid. Well, and this is referring to the people that knew him when he grew up. He was familiar to them, right? And yes. And so uh, they didn't believe. So as a result, they didn't come and ask for a miracle. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he didn't he didn't initiate anything as he does in some places. But uh, but here they they didn't even come and request because I, I don't know of anybody that came and asked Jesus for a miracle that he declined. Mm. Mm. That's an interesting insight. Thank you. So Jesus asks this man, do you want to be healed? But he doesn't ask Lazarus, do you want to be resurrected? <laughs> right. And he's dead. <laughs> uh, he just does it. Yeah. So it is interesting that uh, you can prevent these miracles in your life. And mm -hmm. I think the, the, the most common uh, refusal is that of the miracle of rebirth is that yeah. people actively refuse this after usually because of fear that they'll lose out on some fun apparently there will be people in heaven uh, who never knew Jesus according to this passage in Zechariah 13 verse 6 mm -hmm. if someone asks him what are these wounds on your body? He will answer, the wounds I have given, the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. Mm. So we, we take this passage and interpret it uh, prophetically and say that the shepherd that was wounded um, is Jesus who in John 10 verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd, mm -hmm. and that we wounded him. Okay, so now we move to uh, Jesus finding the man he has healed in the temple. Uh, we're on 5 verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something else, something worse may happen to you. So unlike the man born blind in chapter 9, it seems this man had brought his feebleness upon himself. Uh, from Jesus' comment, this sin is ongoing for the man, like a person who continues to smoke after having a heart bypass or a lung removed. 
So sin has terrible consequences. Dealing with sin is the most sensible thing to do under all circumstances because sin separates us from life. Following God's commandments is in our own best interests at all times and in all places. Believing in Jesus as our Savior and Redeemer is at the core of a forever friendship with God. Well, and the, the first thought that came to me when I first read the stop sinning or something worse may happen to you was like an initial fear of like, oh, see, it's about, you know, what I grew up with, you know, um, and there was that initial sort of pang in the heart. But I think it really, really depends on like also tone and this experience that obviously Jesus knew this man's life, however he did. And he knew that this man would know that he knew in this conversation what they were referring to and that there was no, it's not about the things or doing bad things and being a good person and all those things. I, I really just hear that idea of, I want good for you. Please help yourself to have a good life. <laughs> mm. You know, it's almost this idea of bringing in prediction um, that Jesus says, you know, I know what it's going to lead to. I want good for you. Um, and so I actually read that the second time now in a different way, and it didn't have the pang that it did mm. the first time. Mm -hmm. Great. Good. I'm quite sure if you met a cocaine or heroin user, you would say, look, you, you need to stop this use because something worse is going to happen to you. It's going to kill you. So th this man uh, that Jesus healed, he he's really, I don't know what word to describe him. He, uh, he now goes and tells uh, <laughs> the Jews who, who healed him. Like he knows they're going to cause trouble. But he goes ahead and does it anyway. We're on verse 15. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Was this because of the control the priests had on this man? Or was it because he felt obligated to tell them? Or let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he wanted the leaders to worship Jesus and be grateful to Jesus too. Mm. I mean, why should we condemn the man for what he mm -hmm. does? Mm -hmm. Totally. I hear it completely as, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is the most incredible thing that's ever happened to me. Everybody needs to know about this guy. And I think it's total, maybe being naive to the uh, politics maybe at play. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're on verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. So who do we persecute for doing these things on the Sabbath besides small children? Mm -hmm. And what is the Sabbath day for but to bring joy to the human hearts around us? Here are the Sabbath miracles of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, one, Jesus drives out an evil spirit in the synagogue. Two, Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, three, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. 
Four, Jesus heals a crippled woman. Five, Jesus heals a man with dropsy. By the way, do you know what dropsy is? No. Uh -uh. It's uh, when your body retains fluid. Hmm. And so uh, it creates difficulty in uh, grasping things and walking and so on. Well, hmm. Number six, Jesus heals a lame man by the pool of Bethesda. That's the one we're talking about. Seven, Jesus heals a man born blind. Interesting that he quotes seven Sabbath miracles mm -hmm. that Jesus does. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, none of them are critical except Simon Peter's mother-in-law, who has uh, a fever. And even then, fevers pass usually after a time. Um, so they're not emergency situations. It's just out of the sheer goodness of the heart of Jesus mm -hmm. that he heals these people with long-term disabilities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for being a Sabbath blessing to the people around him, Jesus is persecuted by the religious leaders. It is astonishing but it's normal for insecure sinners. So let's talk a little bit about what the Sabbath day is for. Well, I, I, I like the analogy that, um, that I read of, of the Sabbath. It was like a, a vase, and they began to worship the vase and not realize the vase was protecting something inside. And what was inside is the relationship that we can have with God. And the Sabbath is there to protect that relationship so that we have space and time to spend in that relationship. And they had gotten distracted and were focusing on the case rather than what it was to contain. Hmm. That's powerful. <clears throat> and so hmm. for me, you know, to break it down even further, it's the things that enable me to spend time with with god and with those that i love the, my family that he's given me to to uh spend time with um that's those kinds of whatever i can do to strengthen those relationships are to me appropriate for the sabbath yeah i think the the analogy that you shared that is a really beautiful image of that idea of that the inside of the vase was creating space and time for that relationship um and i think that is a really beautiful that's i i like that so as part of our relationship with god it's a day to remember our origins and our destiny mm -hmm. in god mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, he is our creator, so he created us, and he has also redeemed us. He's guaranteed our future destiny, so we can we can truly rest in him. Mm -hmm. So now, you both Sabbatarians, uh, be honest with me. How do you spend your Sabbath days? I usually spend my Sabbath with friends, uh, studying the word. Uh, in a Sabbath school class, and uh, and then worship, and then in the afternoon, uh, often with friends or family, going for a walk out in nature and and just enjoying um, time together. Mm -hmm. 
I like that. Um, yeah, I think I spend it maybe differently than I did uh, for most of my life. Um, in the last few years, I've been spending it mostly out in nature with my family, where the mornings are very slow and very relaxed. <laughs> Usually around 10 is when I'm drinking my Earl Grey tea. <laughs> Um, and eating breakfast with my family. Um, and for whatever reason, I feel like I have never enjoyed the Sabbath more than I have in the last while. Um, there has been something for me about the slowing down and not rushing for me, the feeling of actually just being able to be with my family and visit. Usually we are listening to an Ian sermon somewhere in that morning time. <laughs> or somebody um in that in that same sort of contextual space of of a loving god um usually i will be found having tears tay and i will look at each other and we're both sort of crying a little bit because we're so touched by whatever we're hearing um yeah and then we sort of pack up and head out into nature and spend the rest of the day there um and so i think it's been very healing to just have that space and quiet um, and being with family. It's been very meaningful. So I have a challenge for both of you. Okay. You know, looking at the seven miracles of Jesus, it seems to me that he went out of his way to find people that he could be a blessing to. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. um, being, uh, I, I can't remember if I've ever been to Salt Spring Island. I don't think I have. Um, I don't belong to the jet-setting community. And, uh, <laughs> so I don't know if they're people, but uh, what I like to do on Sabbath afternoon is go and look for somebody uh, and just bring a blessing to them. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. Good idea. I take it, I take it on <laughs> with joy. I have come to bless you and I'm going to bless you whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I receive your blessing wholeheartedly. <laughs> I'll help you cross the street whether you are planning to cross the street or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so good. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you that you have set aside a day to be with us. And we pray for ourselves that we might be more ready to receive your presence, that we might be more observant to see those you place in our paths, that we can bless in your name in practical ways. You're wonderful. You do far more for us than we can ever imagine. We worship you. Amen. 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 You can find the recording of our podcast on our website, 
as well as the PDF document that we've been using so you can follow along or at least see all the passages. And so that website is rediscoveringgod.ca and on there there is the, um, the, the PDF document, the uh, link for the podcast, as well as our YouTube link. We are now on YouTube. So if you want to see us live, then you can go and watch it on YouTube. Wonderful. And we'd also love to invite you to our Monday evening Zoom discussion where Ian and Warren lead us out. And um, we are currently going through the podcast uh, where we get to have discussion and really dive in a little deeper and get our, um, our, our most pressing questions answered. Um, it's a really wonderful time of fellowship and connection with the group. Um, we share in community and resources as well. We'd really love to have you join us. We're going to be meeting um, at 6.30 Mountain Standard Time. Uh, you just add in the link 403-506-9201. We'd love to see you. And if you'd like to connect with us, you can reach us at rediscoveringgod2020 at gmail.com. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you and know how this journey of rediscovering the God that Jesus knew is changing your life. <music>